Today's podcast is brought to you by Citrus Ad, pioneers of retail media. Citrus Ad are on a mission to change the way brands connect with shoppers. Their cutting-edge digital advertising platform utilizes the latest technology to deliver personalized, data-driven campaigns that drive results. Citrus Ad continue to set the strategy globally on what's possible. They're not just a digital advertising company. They're your partner in success. Join Citrus Ad on the journey to revolutionize media and make retail media for everybody, everywhere. Welcome to the Unmade Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. In today's edition, we look back at the final keynote session of the conference we ran last week on retail media. Remade. The event's headline partner was Citrus Ad. Our supporting partner was Cartology. Our partners were Patient Zero and News Corps Decoded. Unmade. Let me tell you about today's panellists. On your left is Paul Brooks, General Manager of Coles 360. Paul joined Coles a year ago after a three-year stint as Director of Sales for Nine Sydney. Before that, Paul had deep experience in the media agency world, including as CEO of CARA and Chief Investment of Mediacom. Next to Paul is Pippa Leary, Managing Director of Client Product for News Corp. Before News Corp, Pippa led digital sales for nine, spent three years running the premium digital advertising exchange Apex, and spent more than a decade driving Fairfax Media's digital strategy. Now, we have still got a couple of weeks until News Corp's big decoded event, but I'm hoping we can tempt Pimper to drop some hints today about what News Corp is thinking about retail media. Then comes Melissa Winus, Chief Media and Operating Officer of Digital Screen Operator Mercato. Now, Melissa also came up through the media world, including at media agency Cara and a decade with Nova Entertainment. Now, I wasn't actually sure if it was a industry secret or not that one of the uh, investors behind Mercato is uh, Ted Horton, who most of us will know from um, Big Red, but I checked with him yesterday and it is fine for me to mention that. And you have already met Mike Tyquin, who is, and it feels like I, I sort of thought, shall I carry on reading this scripted bit after all of the, the veteran stuff earlier? Um, so I, I had scripted one of the big beasts of the out of home world. <laughs> Which I, I think that's more of a compliment, surely, Mike. But you can, uh, you can, you can let me know on that one. Um, I'm a born again retailer, Tim. <laughs> well, Mike was very early to the evolution of retail media, as we've been hearing, setting up Cartology on behalf of the Warworths Group nearly four years ago now. Um, and as we've acknowledged, spent the best part of a decade running AdShell, which was later bought by Omedia, and before that, spending nine years running I, which was also bought by Omedia. Now, a reminder, we would love to get some questions. It is a question time, so it's a bit boring if they all come from me. But in the meantime, let's get to it. And the um, the honour of the first question goes to our headline partner. So I'm hoping Adam Skinner from Citrus Ad did make it back into the room. There we go. Gosh, you made yourself extremely handy, Adam. So uh, please, the first question, if you could. Ah, cool. So um, I, I think we've heard a lot today and uh, coming together for the first time. Thank you um, for hosting us. It's been a great day. And, uh, you know, how, how cool 
cool is it to get this many people in the room that are all focused around retail media? But I think the first question is like, what what do we need to do as an industry, okay, from the perspective of a brand or a, or a retailer to continue to propel retail media forward now and beyond? Great question. So what do we need as a community to take it from here? So Paul, I'll come to you first. I knew you are looking at me. I think what we've learned today is this is, I believe, the first retail media uh, conference. So I think that's, that's not a bad starting point. Fact number one, it's reasonably nascent as well. And quite a few people have mentioned sort of what's been happening overseas in Europe. And we've been, myself and the leadership team, been fortunate just to do a bit of an overseas trip. We went to London, we went to Toronto, and we went to New York meeting like-minded businesses from a retailer perspective, some consultants, advertising technology, and some agencies. And I think the really interesting thing is, although they've been going for a long time, they're not that much further ahead I think I think that we've our narrative and the way we talk about the business is probably further ahead than we, than we really are, um, and I think we need to be really honest about that. And I think we need to probably there's a lot of um, as I've been listening today, I think all of our businesses need to look internally about what do we need to do to deliver on the promise. Because I think the point that um, Colin put a chart up earlier, I think it was 2015 or 16, which is the start of a uh, retail media. In fact, can, I might ask a quick question. Please don't mess this up for me. 2015, how many people in this room were working in pure play retail media? One, two, three. Okay. And we're the specialists. Four, we're up to four, we're up to five. But I think that, that's exciting and there's opportunity. But at the same time, it does just demonstrate that, the, that as a sector, it is still really nascent and we've got a lot of work to do. And we've covered a lot of those areas earlier about the things that we need to focus on. Um, and I think, uh, again, referencing back to Colin's chart, we talked about the previous waves around what happened with social, what happened with search, but a lot of challenges came with that growth. And I think we could quite easily get carried away with the growth, but I think we need to be really sort of uh, take it upon ourselves and be responsible about how we manage this, how we work with our supplier partners to get that feedback, to co-create the model together and think about the standards we want to set. Great start. Now, I won't do the whole kind of tennis match back and forth along the, 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 the panel all evening, but I will just for this first one. So, Pippa, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you next. You know, let's maybe get you to address that question, but also give a sense of what you can tell us about how News Corp fits into that conversation as well. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the benefits of working at News Corp is it's a global business. So, you know, we regularly have um, global calls where we get to talk with, you know, the rest of... News UK, US. What's really interesting is um, consistently Australia seems to be really ahead of the game. Um, when I think about how developed the conversations we're having in the Australian environment as to those guys, I feel that we are really ahead. But what's interesting for us and one of the things, we've been very interested in this space for a while now and we've learned a couple of, we've got a couple of big takeaways. So, you know, one of the big takeaways and you, you guys would have been hearing it all day today, audience insights are absolutely key to this business. In particular, the ability to link impression level data with SKU level data. So, you know, we were sitting on a call with a guy called Quentin George um, who's the head of retail for McKinsey Global and he came on the call and was, was talking about how important it is to be able to do this. And me and the other, you know, News AU guys were like, ooh, we've already got that. 
We were very lucky to be in a situation where Susie Cardwell, if she's in this room, massive shout out, built this incredible, there you are, Suze, an incredible insights platform called News Connect, collects two and a half billion first party data insights a month, but allows us to make that linkage. So when we said that to Quentin, he couldn't believe it. And then we started talking him through some of the solutions that we're building around, you know, total commerce, top to the bottom of the funnel. And he was so blown away. We said, look, we've got this big event decoded coming. He's flying out for it. <laughs> He's coming in from San Francisco. So that was a real kind of eye opener. You don't actually need to be a supermarket. You just need those audience insights. The second one was, you know, there's a lot of talk about the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. And as it's really tempting to spend everything at the bottom of the funnel, we know from our own experience now, if your brand is not well-known, and, and Vendita, obviously, PepsiCo is incredibly well-known, but if your brand is not well-known and you're a D2C, you have got to think about top of the funnel. You know, I hate to say it, Mark Ritson, Byron Sharp, Tofu Bofu, they're kind of right. <laughs> and then the last one is that there's some really sexy tech coming out. Um, headless commerce, has everyone been talking about headless commerce today? Um, affiliate automation. It's creating a situation where publishers are transforming themselves from billboards, that's what we used to do, which is to amplify your message, and we are becoming sophisticated, integrated shop fronts. And I think the game is completely changing. Now, Mal, something I'm sure we'll, we'll pick up as we go along is much of the conversation today has been about the, for want of a better phrase, the, the big end of town, but retail exists at all stages. So, you know, maybe, you know, perhaps you can sort of, you know, answer the point about coming together as a community, but maybe with that perspective of retail of all sizes. Yeah, absolutely. So we work a lot with um, small retail groups as well. We're a software company, essentially. So we're a SaaS platform that dispatches media across screen networks dynamically. And I think um, what we found the appetite is that people want a simple system that they can access for three to five screens or 10 to 5,000 screens. And they don't want to have to invest big dollars to be able to do it. So I think certainly there's a huge um, opportunity for the smaller retail groups to come through as well in this retail media network. Okay. Mike, same question to you. Yeah. Together as a community. Yeah. Um, One of the things that's become really apparent to us um, moving from food to everyday needs, so from supermarkets to Big W, is how different the shopper missions are, how different the shopper journeys. And, you know, and all going well, the ACCC, we're going to own a pet business in, you know, a couple of months, especially retail. And, again, the shopper missions are really different again. And I think this would be one of the interesting challenges, you know, under the under the heading of retail media, there are, there are going to be a lot of different versions, flavours, call it what you will. And I think this would be the challenge for the, the, the collective community because it will depend where, where you are. It will depend where you sit. And I'll give you a, just a, a really practical example of what I'm talking about. So Colin had a great example this morning about search, and he's right. In supers, people search med, milk, bread, chocolate, coffee, this, that, whatever. In general merchandise, they don't search plastic bricks. They search Lego. They don't search dolls. They search Barbie. Sophie Hicks-Lloyd, who runs our big W business, is nodding. Um, they don't search coffee machines. They search Nespresso. They don't search vacuums. They search Dyson. So that's a really practical example of, of why things are different. So as a consequence, you've got your search businesses, you've got to run your search product really differently 
in your general merch business and you've got to run it in your, in your, in your supermarket business. So I give that example just as a very practical example of the things, you know, everyone's learning. Every, everyone's having these learnings. Retailers are learning them, brands are learning them. Now, if you take that to your, you know, a small retailer, a specialty fashion retailer with a hundred doors nationally, their world couldn't be more different than, you know, Woolies or, or Colts couldn't be more different. And so I think this is going to be one of the big issues that, that we're going to be thinking about. You know, okay, well, where are we going to be in a year or two or three? And what is retail retail media? It's it, it, Everyone knows it, but I'm going to say it. Evolution is going to be the name of the game. And I think Van Dieter hit the nail on the head. It, it's about in your cohort, in the, in the part of the world you fit and you are partnering, collaborate, you know, and, and doing it across the whole of both your organisations. Now, what emerges from that in terms of back to Adam's original questions in standards and things like that? It's an excellent question. I'm not quite sure. Even you know, I'm not quite sure anyone in that anyone in the room knows it. I certainly aren't there yet. But it's a really, really interesting kind of intellectual question as to kind of where we all end up. Um, you know. Well, I think I'll um, I'll stick with you a moment, Mike, because I'd like to just unpack that final point just a little bit more in terms of sort of maturity of the industry. Where are we on the journey? The non-specific answer is not very. That's that's the non-specific. But but there are things inside, and I probably can only really speak for us. Be be, be wrong to sort of make a blanket statement. But I feel I feel that we have certain things we're doing that are that are quite developed, that are, that are quite mature. After four years, you'd like to think there's a few things that are. Um, <laughs> but but there are other things that well, boy oh boy we got a lot of wood to chop on uh, on that issue so um it, I think it depends it's a horrible answer Tim very non-specific but but it depends so like let me get let me can be a little bit more specific I mean just a reporting end of campaign reporting I'll just to be complete transparent and Vandita knows this another FMCG markers we're in our we're in our third iteration of end of campaign reporting third iteration. We stood something up really quickly in 2019 when we launched. wasn't quite right. We then built it again, and we now we actually have done a complete rebuild and just launched it before Christmas with some fabulous input and guidance from partners. So it, you know, it's gone right up the curve from a maturity perspective very, very quickly. Our ability to create audiences, I'd say, is pretty good now, and you know we act, we're doing that. I think everyone knows we're doing a. I don't know if the Google guys are still got a fabulous partnership with YouTube. That's going pretty well. So certain things that are, that are, that are going really, really quite well. Um, the flip side of that, you know, I just look at basic, you know, end to end. You know, I was a finance guy originally, so I'm interested in sort of how order to cash works, order and inventory management. We've literally just rolled onto a new system. We've built it ourselves because we couldn't find anything out there. It's been 18 months. So it depends is the answer. Again, okay. not specific. Well, I'll come at Booksy. I'll come to you next on this one if I can. Um, similar question, I suppose. Where where are you on the maturity journey? Where is the industry on the maturity yeah. journey? Well, we're a fast follower. Um, so, no, joking aside, it does it does give you the ability to be able to learn. I'm not necessarily locally, but from overseas in terms of where things haven't gone quite right or not as quickly as potentially it could have done. And because we have been sort of later to market, we've been able to pick up on that and probably follow some of those a little bit quicker than others. Uh, so where are we on the journey? Look, again, it is incredibly nice. And I think a lot of businesses are very good about uh, in terms of the proposition. And retail media at its essence is really, really simple. 
right? It's how do you put brands and customers together and give them a relevant, personalized message that grows the brand, right? That is really straightforward. Trying to do that is really difficult because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to stitch. There's a lot of legacy. The vast majority of retail media businesses are legacy businesses and bricks and mortar, and that will still continue 85 to 90%. Uh, but there's, there's ways of working and habits which are, which are difficult and challenging to break. And there's a lot of dependencies as well within the business. You need to absolutely come together and collaborate internally. And in fact, one of the things was just sort of reminiscing on them from the overseas trip. There were a lot of businesses retail media businesses aren't all the same i think we've got we're in a dangerous sort of place I'm not sensationalize that we've got to, it's not one size fits all i think you've got to understand and, and what type of retail business do you want to be what areas do you want to focus on and what are your priorities and get behind that rather than just being a retail media business and i think from what we saw at like the seven or eight different organizations is um again they all had various challenges and they've decided to focus on different parts of their business some because of the legacy and some because they they thought it was the right thing to do and, th- and that's i think the journey that absolutely we are going through and how do we make sure that we just learn from those any sort of previous mistakes fast follow and deliver something that is sort of best in class not just locally but globally as well okay i might come to you next now and then pepper We take a slightly different, obviously, we're not a retail business. And so we've taken the approach, we've actually, instead of thinking about it as retail media, we've thought about it as commerce media. So, you know, we really love the work of Quentin um, that he he pumped in, you know, that great DigiDay article about six months ago. What really got us thinking about it was he's talking about the coming together of technology, of marketing, of, of commerce and of media all into what he's calling this $1.3 trillion industry. And he's saying it's the most disruptive force we've seen in a decade. You guys are all, you know, everyone sitting in this room is pretty much testament to the fact that we've all twigged and gone, wow, this is something really big. In terms of maturity, I think we're we're at the very early stages and we're all at different, you, you know, places in what we can understand. But I think something you said, Mike, earlier in an earlier session around um, the customer journeys and the triggers. Mm. I think we're getting, I know at News, we're becoming very pointy and very directed at understanding how you you move a passive reader to an active buyer. Mm. It's much harder than you think. And that plays to my comment before saying you just can't all be bottom of the funnel. It's actually quite difficult and you've got to know those triggers. And I think we're at the very beginning of that process. And I suppose something which has come through a little bit today is that sort of debate around okay you've got on network which i i think i might be paraphrasing colin slightly but the main game you've got off network and you've got inside the bricks and mortar philosophically does news corp think of itself as the off network retail media solution is yes. that the part you yes. think you'll be playing so what's really interesting for us is because we can make those links between impression level data and skew level data we've got all the attribution all that suite so we can actually see if someone sees an ad footfall into a shop we can see brand consideration uplifts that whole kind of top to the bottom of the funnel so really our message is we're kind of the retail media network you have when you're not having a retail media network. We should be calling ourselves Clayton's. You know, we're, we're for all those retailers who don't want to, can't, don't have the propensity to invest in creating a retail media network, we can fulfill a lot of those functions and we can also fulfill a really interesting function for D2C brands because we've been developing um, headless commerce and we've been developing an affiliate, an automated affiliate 
technology. So we can say to both retailers and DTC, retailers really, we can ingest your entire product catalogue, then we can use AI and ML to match it with the content across our massive network. And that's all done algorithmically. That's mm. not even done by people. It allows us to scale. But even better than that, when someone sees something they like, they can buy it from within the content. We're no longer saying we need to send you to another shop or we need to send you. We just hook in with everyone's back ends, be it Shopify, be it Magento, be it HCL, whatever it is. And all, any of our content, video, words, images, you can buy straight out of that. So we have become an integrated shop front. So we're definitely an off-platform mm. solution. Well, in a moment, I will invite questions. Mel, I want to come back to you. So the, mm. the sort of that ma- maturity point, um, I, I presume with where your customer base sits, there's a much bigger education mm. piece to be done to make them even st- understand that they, they are retail media networks. Is, is that part of where you're at? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, sorry. Where are we at in the maturity of yeah, retail media? Um, <laughs> so... I think it's all dependent on the consumer and also the technology as well. I think a lot of hardware, especially, you know, screen hardware is produced offshore. And I think our ability in Australia to acquire that at speed install is always a massive issue in shop fronts. And for us in small retail areas, it's incredibly difficult because it's quite small space and quite cluttered space. We have got the small tablet format, which is a post plug and play solution, which just gets shipped out to a business and they can just literally plug it in on their, their desktop, which is great. Um, but certainly we're collaborating with other people and running trials with, you know, Liquor Legends and all sorts. And I think um, that I think is the biggest challenge is where we're at is dependent on the consumer, the retailer and the hardware as well. Okay, thank you. Um, well, let me invite a question from the floor if, if we have one. If you, if you do have one, then show me a hand and then I'll, um, uh, invite you to tell us who you are and where you're from. Hi, I'm Courtney from Rushmore. It's, I'm wondering how you're planning on dealing with like exclusivity of strategies and how you're putting things together for brands within the same category have very similar objectives. Is it going to be kind of templatized targeting solutions and things like that? So I guess, yeah, how are you? So just thank you for that. And I'll, I'll just repeat that question for the, uh, for the tape as well, um, which shows the age when you say tape, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so Courtney from Cash Rewards is asking about that sort of philosophy and how you think about exclusivity for, for brands in a, in a particular segment. So where do we want to start on that one? <laughs> Who would like that hot potato? <laughs> I'll have a go because I'm apparently a veteran, so I must have it figured out. It is an excellent question in a couple of ways. Um, one of the reasons that I think Colin sort of indirectly touched on this morning that you have a retail media business is to get a little bit of separation between your commercial, your merch, your buying team. Um, as I said in the last session, you know, for 100 years, you know, supermarkets in particular won't generalise for others, but supermarkets have been run by buyers and that's changing as these, eco- as these big retail ecosystems emerge. And so one of the things is you have an ecosystem and you have all these other touch points is you do need some separation. So the buyers deal with that all the time. You know, the buyers deal with in, you know, Vandita's world, if we're talking chips and snacks, there's quite a few people, you know, how, how do you do that? And they do it historically if you're not aware through, um, typically through a joint business planning process. 
Um, in our world, it's it's a it's a pretty fine line. So um, our business is set up as just as a distinct that we're part of the group. If you go to um, Dan Robbins' slide earlier, we're di- we're distinct and we're different. And we're separate from buying, but we have a lot of aligned conversations. So everything, firstly, is Chatham House Rules is locked down. That's that's the first thing to say. So once we step out of the room with the buyers. You know, it, it's a, just a it's a one on one conversation, and the truth is, it's probably not that much different than um, you know what media owners have had to deal with for a long time. You know, when when they see plans and you know for competitors, or gee, you know, you just have to handle it with a lot of care. But more and more, and the thing I do like about you know what we do and the job we do and the opportunity you get in retail media is you really get under the hood on the very specific challenges that the brands are dealing with, and they want it. They want us to help them solve. And although you might have a starting business that says, oh, well, God, they're all selling chips. How different could it be between PepsiCo and snack brands? The answer is more different than you think when, when you actually get under it about, well, what's really going on at a strategic level? How do they think about customers or in Vandita's case, consumers? What data have they got? What have we got? You actually get in. There's actually a bit more differentiation than you think. So it was probably something we were pretty anxious about a couple of years ago. But I think, you know, we, we try to really earnestly manage it well. You know, it would be the, would be the answer, but I think we're going okay. But you know, we can always do better. I'm sure. Yeah, Paul, I'll bring you in on a similar point because I suppose yeah, I'd be interested to know the the journey you've made from the agency world in thinking about exclusivity of sectors. Is it is it a different dynamic or a different way of thinking? Yes, yes, it is a very different dynamic. But that being said, over the last sort of four to five years, I think that agency dynamic has changed as well. Whereas uh, sort of advertising clients want, want to work with the best agencies, the best people, um, and the best capability. And I think with that, you can put lots of checks and balances in place to make sure that um, you know, sort of sharing of information does become a challenge or an issue, whether that's through sort of different teams or more sort of technology-based infrastructure in place to sort of protect them from that. So I think that, yes, there's similarities, but, but it is quite different because you know, we are working in a different environment. And I think from as we move from retailer to publisher i think the the dynamics are different at play um, and we've got you know, we've got slightly if i re- reference sort of dan's chart not the blue toothbrushes but i will come talk to you about those later I think i'm the tasmanian uh, consumer <laughs> toothbrushes by the way <laughs> there's not many left him so stop buying them but i think that we 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 are integrated into uh and with the uh, merchandising teams because I think, and again, there's all models are different and there's not a right, wrong or indifferent. But the reason why that we've done that is because we can demonstrate that it's not just the media component that's working. It's how we're driving the business component and therefore hopefully category. Um, and then I think that if you can demonstrate that, you can do that in the right way. I think, I think the exclusivity thing doesn't become as big a issue. Pepper, it looked like you were, you were nodding at a couple of those points. Yeah, look, it's interesting and different for us again. You know, the headless commerce tech, it's such a game changer for us and for our clients. Does everyone know what I'm talking about when I start referring hey, look, to headless commerce? There's someone in the room who doesn't. So let's, uh, okay, um, okay. So, I mean, it sounds like something from a Tim Burton movie. It's not. It's actually pretty easy to understand. So basically it's referring to a piece of e-commerce architecture where you decouple your front-end image assets from your back-end e-commerce infrastructure, the cart. So the cart itself becomes headless. We then take that cart. We worked with a company called Voodoo, and I think maybe someone from Voodoo might be here. There we go. 
gave us a great solution. Um, we then, well, Voodoo then recouples the headless cart with front-end image assets that sit on our site. So what that means is we don't get into it that many sticky situations because actually when someone sees something they want on an ad or a video on a piece of our content, they then flow straight through to our client's back-end infrastructure and it all takes place on their site, but it looks like it's taking place on our site. So the real differentiator becomes the creative. So we ran um, our very first um, shoppable video campaign with Moet and Shandon. Uh, last August, and the um, and the campaign was, you go on to the video and you can personalise the bottle of champagne and send it as a gift to someone. So what was really interesting about that, it was unbelievably successful. And I'd love to say, wow, it's just the sexy tech, but you know what it was? It was the creative as well. Mm. And it's a really interesting ad unit because it is both performance. You know, we saw how many bottles of champagne were sold and it was a lot, but the brand uplift was incredible as well. So I I think that this tech is changing. You know, once upon a time we'd have uh, clients arguing, no, I've got category exclusivity. We're like, well, actually, you know, you can appear wherever. It doesn't matter because we're sucking back to you and it's your creativity. Mal, let's get your point of view as well. Exclusivity, does it matter or has the world just changed now on that? Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. I I mean, from a programmatic point of view as well, so you think about that landscape and, you know, I don't know how many retail media people have got their systems integrated with programmatic yet, but you just can't have category exclusivity at any given minute or any given time of day. It just doesn't work that way. And I know people will try day part or look at peaks or... <laughs> you know, that consumer, the mums, you know, coming through in the morning. So I've got category exclusivity over that that brand to talk to them. Well, that's just something internally that they've created a, a model. That's not the, the whole retail industry itself. So Okay. Um, a question for me and then I'll come back to the floor again. Um, something I found myself thinking about a bit during the day and I suppose thinking about beforehand as well is um, who's not in the conversation we hardly talked about media agencies today. Feels like they're kind of left out of the conversation these days. Is, is there a way? Is there a way back in for them? Or, or if it was five years ago, media... I'd have been talking about media agencies well, too. Yeah. But the question is, would, <laughs> but would you have been in the room? Then is the question. So, um, but no, I, I will come to you first, Paul. Um, is there an actual place in the chain for them, or are they just? going to be a polite part of the conversation off on one yeah. side the simple answer is yes if, if but if i was running a media agency or an agency holding group now or an independent i would just i would try i'd I'll, I'll try and understand why i wanted to be part of it rather than feeling as though it's a gold rush and i have to be i think about why i want to be part of it uh and then on the back of that what your appetite is you then start to stand up what, what what's required i think someone mentioned the size of the prize earlier but what's required to do that What's the capability you need? What's the resource you need? What's the structure you need? But there's also some really thorny conversations that you have with existing clients and new clients around what remuneration structures look like, what ways of working look like. And that's not, that's not an insignificant sort of R. So that, that's where I would start. But I think there is absolutely a role. And we, you know, we, we, from our perspective, decided it was a stage two for us in terms of engaging sort of new demand sources from a cost perspective. But we have had quite a few clients and agencies reach out, right? Um, for a perspective on, uh, on retail media and what we're doing. 
And we're being reactive on that rather than proactive. And what we're seeing is probably um, some of the really sort of progressive thinkers in the media agency world really leaning in and wanting to understand the role that they can play. And I think that will change over time. I think some of that comes through some structural change with some of the big, uh, with bit, some of the big FMCGs, who I, I think will start to change their structures as well. We've had a relatively siloed world where you've had trade over here, you've had brand over here, you've had sort of retail media in the middle uh, and e-commerce in the middle. I think what you'll start to see is genuine chief customer officers coming in with speciality across those. Because if I was, not to pick you up, Anita, but you are in front of me, you were on the panel beforehand. <laughs> but if I was investing $100, right, I just want to know that it, I want to know that it's working. And if I can put the right team and the right people together to be able to give me a plus plus on that, then it kind of doesn't matter where that capability comes from. Mike, I'll ask, I'll ask you a, the question in maybe a slightly different way, but I'll try to go right back to the start of the day and almost the first slide. Um, you're sitting down with someone from a media agency who's buying lunch. Sorry, with a media agency or with a brand? With a media agency. Uh, or do you just not take the meetings uh, let's anymore? Real, let's get real, Tim. We're buying lunch because agencies don't buy lunch. So um, that, that would be the glib answer. I've just upset a whole lot of people on the podcast. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, but I think, I think the... There are some big discussions. Brooksy's covered it well. There's some big discussions to be had there. You know, one of the one of the big holding groups, it's a top three global priority for them. I mean, the CEO stood up and said, this is something we're going to lean into. And um, But I do think, you know, when I spoke to the local CEO of that group, who is one of those people Brooksy's referred to at the more progressive end, you know, they've got X number of FMCG clients. So they're, and, and it was very clear that how they respond as an agency or how they set themselves up will be they'll be in the hands of their clients and it'll come down to you know the decisions that the individual clients want to make about how they want to operate because you've got this really interesting dynamic you know like Woolies and Coles are both 100 year old businesses the the commercial relationships they have with those brands are enormous and they're multidimensional and they're complicated and and it, there's a lot going on and long after I'm gone. My team's been and gone. Apparently, I'm a veteran. I might retire soon. Um, long after the agency's lost the account, those relationships will still be rumbling along. And and so it's a it's a really interesting one. And there's a lot of variability in those discussions in terms of range. We, we've got some of the brands we work with quite clear of mind, and they're on the path. They're going right. We 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 know what we need our agency partner to do. What you know, level of strategy to planning to transactional kind of engagement. Uh, we're changing remuneration structures. We're on it we're, and we're going. And then we've got others that just haven't touched the sides. And, and that's okay because everyone, it's still new as we've talked about a million times today. So it's, it's, it's complicated. I was just reflecting then, um, and I'll, a very short story, but we'd had this horrible situation when we were, we were with, we, again, it was just overseas and we'd finished our meeting and went for a bite to eat afterwards. And we had ourselves, we had agency, Holdco, had other retailer literally come towards the end of dinner and there were cards everywhere and nobody knew what to do. And they had this awkward, no, you go, no, you go, you go. Should we split it? No, you pay. And it, it's quite an interesting dynamic once you get into the practicalities of that. Um, but I think it's everyone buys lunch, right? Fair enough. Now, Mel, let me, I'm going to ask you the question in a slightly different way again. Um, 
Do you see media agencies adding value to this process at the moment? I think when retail media is open to accepting external advertising, then the whole new conversation will start all over again. I think agencies are quite keen on getting into retail environments um, and I think there's a great opportunity there down the track. And, I mean, at the moment, you know, the smart people, exactly what you've said is, you know, I think that they aren't getting involved unless they really, really need to. And that also depends on how the brands are structured internally too. Have they got some experience and resource to actually dive in and just manage it themselves or do they need the agency to chip in? Then that's a case-by-case basis. Pepper, do you want to come in on this point? Yeah, look, we've had an interesting experience because we do the um, right from working with really prestige brands to mass market FMCG brands. So we've had a couple of, you know, shoppable video campaigns where it's just been very transactional and no media agencies haven't even gotten involved in that. But if I think about something like the Moet example, you know, obviously our editorial team got involved, but the agency was deeply involved in that because they're so protective of the brand values of Moet and you saw that come through. Um, and that's, again, why. So I, I don't think it's over for the media agencies um, and, and the creative agencies. I think they've still got an incredibly important role to play. OK, thank you for that. Uh, let's invite another question from the room, if anybody has. I saw a hand over there. If you don't mind telling us who you are and where you're from, please. Hi, I'm Amaya from Castology. Um, there's been a lot of references to creativity today. And I just want to know what have been your wins in operationalizing creativity or conversely the challenges? So the question there was, uh, when it comes to creativity, what are the wins in operationalising creativity? Mike? Yeah. <laughs> it feels better if the boss doesn't ask No, I was thinking that was more aimed over here rather than at Mike. But look, I think, um, I think the, the, the section earlier around cre- creativity was fascinating because I do think that it's been lost over the last year or so when it comes to uh, retail media. There's so much talk around sort of structures, uh, how and where people fit in the ecosystem, efficiency, bottom of the funnel, top of the funnel, the, you know, the middling out of the funnel. And I think the creativity has got lost a little bit. And I think there's a hugely important role for creativity to play moving forward. We, from our perspective, is very much around its crawl, walk, run And I think it's around setting up the fundamentals first, because I think if we are being very, I was going to say we are being recorded, aren't we? So I'll speak differently. (laughs) No, but I think um, it's it's getting the fundamentals right and getting the technology in place and having the right team in place to be able to deliver on your promise on on absolute and genuine dynamic creative Mm. that you can tailor and personalise. We're not there yet from a scale perspective, but it's certainly on our radar and something we're working towards. Pepper, your take on creativity? <laughs> yeah, that is, it's a real toughie, this one. Um, if you are talking dynamic creative, yes, it, it's difficult, especially if you're trying to link it with segments. Um, and I think, you know, Vandita, you were talking about that. That is a real challenge. We face an immediate challenge in that, uh, you know, we got a lot of demand for native ad placements and, and, and native, and I'm not even sure what that means anymore. But we're, again, hoping to be able to use tech to get a win there. And as we look forward, we know that one of the major ways that people are consuming our media now, because they're all watching watching it on the phone, is vertical video. 
And so we hope to go, okay, let's just level the playing field and let's think what are the best and easiest creative executions that we can play out natively and how do we bring those to market and then how do we trade them programmatically? Now, I mean, when it comes to dynamic creative, it, it, it's, it's out there. There is some of it out there, isn't there? Yeah, obviously HTML templates play a big part in that and a lot of brands are using those. Even, you know, we run heaps of HTML templates for brands and the small retailers, they're so excited when they can just send us little updates or they can upload it obviously into a little spreadsheet and they see, you know, these specials or whatever it might be appear on the screens. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's a much greater response from a consumer with dynamic creative Mike, I'm going to ask you to answer that one quickly so we can squeeze in one more question before the end. Yeah, yeah I think we, we, we've got a pretty simple button-down model, to be honest. Um, we, we know, as I said, the tail of the conversation with Vandita, there's a huge amount of upside in this space. I mean, in the end of the day, you know, if we believe it's advertising, of course, creativity has to play a role. Uh, not touching, barely touching the size on it at this point. But, you know, I think, I think fundamentally you know, delivery finding audiences in the right context um, and you know, getting that right sort of, you know, brand meets performance message is just basically the task at the moment, the job to do. So that's where the focus has been. Cool. Okay. A uh, question without notice for the panel to finish with. If you want everyone to leave the room with one thought today in just one sentence, um, what would you like that thought to be? And Pepper, I'm sorry, I'm throwing that one at you first. Boy, that, 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 that is a real tough one. I think that probably I would love people to walk out of here thinking that retail media is probably broader than just retail media and to start thinking of it as commerce media and that it is actually a very wide-ranging um, topic that – and I believe, you know, what, what Quinton writes, I think it's a really transformative force and it's very exciting. Good point. We'll come back to that one another time, I'm sure. Mel? I think the biggest thing is be brave and collaborate and just share learnings because we're so early into the piece. I think what we're doing here is fantastic and I think that would be great if we can all just um, talk more openly, I guess, about the challenges we're facing in the industry. Paul, your final thought? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question and I think um, I, I suppose that when if we were to fast forward and come back in a year's time, I would love us to be talking about some groundbreaking work that we've done for a a client or a brand. Um, and I think about sort of some of the technology coming in place. We've got a Carter coming to the shore soon and we talked Mike touched upon it earlier around, you know, the support for some of the smaller in Australia brands. And technology can play a role within that. And I would love for I mean any business but ours definitely. Uh, but for any business to be able to launch something like a prime. Right, so a small lo- a small local Australian business and create a real success story, and us within this room being uh, sort of architects of delivering something like that. That then goes away with sort of legacy structures, retail media owners, media agencies. So I think if we, I would almost fast forward and think if we could walk away with that, we'd have had a good year. All right, you get the final word on the panel. Customers, Tim. Customers. I mean, if you're in retail media, you're in it for customers. Let's be really clear. Um, and I think the one centering force and factor we've had in our business over four years is, you know, if in doubt, just return to customers. What, what problem are we trying to solve for them? In, in the end of the day, if I go all the way back to when I first met Brad, that's where the business starts. As I said it when we caught up with Vandita, you know, the centre of the, our ecosystem in our business is customers. And every time we've sort of found ourselves with a decision point to make, we just go back to that. 
It's a pretty simple concept, but that's kind of what we're about. And it's the best way actually of lining internally across the group and it's the best way of aligning with our brand partners well we are out of time first of all i would like to acknowledge just one more time our commercial partners so thank you to citrus ad to woolworth's cartology to patient zero and to news corp decoded and finally please thank our panel paul pepper melissa and mike unmade Thanks once again to all of our speakers and sponsors. The event's headline partner was Citrus Ad. Our supporting partner was Cartology. And our partners were Patient Zero and News Corps Decoded. Today's podcast was edited by Abe's Audio. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.